0: Hello, everyone. This is Father Bill Nicholas, and this is Faith, Hope, and History. (music) Greetings and welcome, everybody. It is Friday, May 14th, in the year 2021. It is on this day in 1948 that Israel was given statehood and recognized as a nation in the Middle East, that has been a staunch ally of the United States ever since. In 1973, on this day, Skylab, the first U.S. space station, was launched by NASA from Kate Kennedy. And on this day in 1998, the entertainer, legendary entertainer Frank Sinatra, passed away at the age of 82. But right now, we are kind of in the midst of a, uh, I guess you could say, a liturgical no-man's land, being that this is Friday, uh, that would normally be the Friday after Ascension, but it's kind of smacked in the middle of what would have been Ascension Thursday yesterday, but has now been moved to being Ascension Sunday on the following Sunday. And it brings up the point that Ascension is no longer in many places celebrated on Thursday, but it has been moved to the corresponding Sunday, the following Sunday. And it's been this way in this country for quite a while, Uh, at least as long as I've been ordained. I think even before I was ordained The bishops of the United States moved the feast to the Sunday, which would normally be the seventh Sunday of Easter. It is now uh, celebrated as Ascension Sunday. Of course, people still call the rectories and ask and often bemoan and complain that it's no longer Ascension Thursday, even after 20 plus years. And some do ask, well, shouldn't it be 40 days after Easter? I mean, after all, that's what it is in the Bible. And of course, the reference is to the 40 days in which the Acts of the Apostles says that Jesus appeared to various of his disciples after he rose from the dead for a period of 40 days and then ascended into heaven. But it's good to note that the reference to 40 days is only found in the tradition of the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles. The Acts having been written, they believe, by, the, uh, by Luke the Evangelist. When you look at the other Gospels, we really don't see an ascension. The Gospel of Matthew ends with the Great Commission, in which Jesus says, Full authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them all that I have commanded you, and know that I am with you always until the end of the world. Now, we can certainly see Jesus saying those words as he ascends into heaven, giving those final words of commission to the apostles as he is taken upward. But in the Gospel of Matthew, it does not say Jesus ascended into heaven. It just ends with those words that he gives his disciples. The Gospel of John, any reference to the ascension Jesus makes is to Mary Magdalene when he says, I have not yet ascended to my father. But the Gospel of John ends with the great catch of fish and then Jesus' commission of Peter after asking him, do you love me more than these, three times. And then there's a brief comment about the beloved disciple, and the Gospel of John ends, but it doesn't end with an ascension. Uh, Even the Gospel of Mark ends with the empty tomb. I mentioned in a previous podcast that the Gospel of Mark originally ends with the empty tomb, kind of a cliffhanger. The women walk away too afraid to say anything to anyone. But many of our Bibles, if not all of them, have the extended ending, which when you look at the Gospel of Mark in that, what they would call longer ending, is kind of a composite of the other stories we read in the other Gospels. And then it ends by saying Jesus took his seat at the right hand of the Father. doesn't necessarily say he ascended, but you can see where there's where he's incorporating that portion of the tradition of Luke at other parts of that ending you will hear at least a brief reference to the men on the road to Emmaus and the appearance to the 11 and the appearance to Mary Magdalene which are found in the gospels of Matthew, Luke and John. But the original ending of Mark does not end with an ascension. It's only in the gospel of Luke in which the gospel ends with Jesus being taken up and the acts of the apostles begins with the ascension. So only Luke and Acts gives that tradition of the 40 days. But moving the feast from the 40th day of Thursday, Ascension Thursday, after Easter, and moving that important feast to the following Sunday is really nothing new, because in this country, at least, the Church has already done that with the Feast of the Epiphany, the last feast of the Christmas season. Originally, the Feast of the Epiphany was on January 6th, and it still is in many places around the world, rounding out the 12 days of the season of Christmas. However, it was decided in the United States, which recognized a a trend among the people in the United States, that even though something may be a holy day of obligation, no longer means that people are going to come to Mass. In fact, holy days of obligation are not as important to Catholics in the United States as they used to be. They don't respond to something being a holy day of obligation. And so, as with the case of the Feast of the Epiphany, the bishops of this country decided that it was more important to celebrate the feast period than to celebrate it on a particular date, like January 6th with Epiphany, or a particular day of the week, like Thursday, Ascension Thursday. Because Catholics tend not to follow holy days of obligation, so imposing an obligation merely continues to open people to sin for not honoring the obligation rather than providing it as a means of grace and a means to grace by drawing them in to worship in the Mass. And we've seen that trend with our Holy Days over the last you know, few decades. And, but why do we have Holy Days? Well, there are various reasons, and they take different forms in different countries. Some are universal feast days, such as Christmas and, obviously, the Feast of the Ascension, but others are not. For example, St. Patrick's Day, The Feast of St. Patrick is a holy day of obligation in Ireland. However, it is not a holy day here in the United States, as is Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico. The irony here, however, is while these are holy days in their home country, they are actually celebrated more in the United States with parades and processions and mass and celebrations of that culture actually is done more in this country than in their home countries. So not every holy day that we have here in the United States is a holy day in another country. But what are the holy days we have here in the United States? Well, first we have the Feast of the Immaculate Conception on December 8th. That is a holy day because the Immaculate Conception is the patroness of the United States. Christmas is a holy day of obligation, and that is a much more universal feast. Throughout the world, Christmas is a holy day, celebrating the birth of Jesus, January 1st is the Feast of the Motherhood of Mary, celebrating Mary as Mother of God. And that's one of the feasts that on occasion is deferred if it falls on a Monday or a Saturday. Ascension was a holy day of obligation before it was moved to the following Sunday. August 15th, the Feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, is another holy day of obligation, often but not always deferred if it occurs on a Monday or or a Saturday. And then finally, we have All Saints Day. So that is six days that are Holy Days of Obligation, of which one has been moved to a Sunday, and the other is is pretty much considered a universal uh, feast day for everybody. But interestingly enough, there are some more important days that we find in the Church's tradition that are not obligatory. For example, the Feast of Epiphany. Now, it occurs on a Sunday, But it is not a holy day of obligation on the actual date, January 6th. The feast of the presentation of Jesus in the temple on February 2nd is not a holy day of obligation. And it's an important feast day, but it's not a holy day of obligation. The feast of St. Joseph, the husband of Mary, the earthly father of Jesus. There are actually two feasts the feast of St. Joseph on the 19th day of March and the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker on the first day of May, neither one of those are Holy Days of Obligation, which is interesting considering this year is a year dedicated to St. Joseph, and even in this year, they were not made Holy Days of Obligation for this year. John the Baptist is an important figure in the life and ministry of Jesus and in the Scriptures. However, the celebration of his birth on June 24th and of his martyrdom on August 29th are major feasts that are celebrated on those days, but they're not Holy Days of Obligation. And we also have uh, days like Ash Wednesday, an important day for a lot of people. A lot of people go to Mass on that day, but it's not a Holy Day of Obligation. Neither are the days of the Easter Triduum, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and the Easter Vigil celebrated on Holy Saturday. These are not Holy Days of Obligation. I would say more than likely because the church Recognizes the the very, very important days these feast days are. It's the high point of our liturgical year. These are the high liturgical feasts of our year, but the church wants us to be there because we want to be there, not because we have to be there. And then you look at the other feasts of the Blessed Virgin Mary. We already have the Feast of the Immaculate Conception and the Feast of the Assumption, our holy days of obligation, but the celebration of the birth of Mary, which is a feast day, the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Feast of the Annunciation on March 25th, and the Feast of the Visitation are not Holy Days of Obligation. So certain days are, certain days are not. But the problem, I think, with the Holy Days of Obligation is that it is just simply no longer a priority for Catholics in the United States. There are good intentions in declaring a feast day, a holy day of obligation. But it no longer draws people to celebrate the Mass on extraordinary days other than Sundays, simply saying it's an obligation. It may be celebrating something very important, but simply saying it's an obligation doesn't draw people. It draws some, but not everybody, and very, very fewer people than it used to. It's merely another opportunity then for grave sin because the church declares something an obligation and people miss it. And then they simply go to confession and say, I missed a Holy Day of Obligation. Does that make them come the following year or to the next Holy Day of Obligation? Maybe it does. My guess is it doesn't because again, it's been consistent. The decline of people coming to Mass, celebrating Mass, worshiping God in the Mass on Holy Days of Obligation. And when you think of it, even Christmas, as big of a feast that is, Look at the response, when Christmas falls on a Monday. Sometimes Advent is only three weeks long, not four weeks. It's always four Sundays. But sometimes we have December 25th occurring on the day after the fourth Sunday of Advent. In other words, it's on a Monday. And what's the reaction of many Catholics? Many Catholics already pack the church on Christmas Eve, but you perhaps have more packing the church on Christmas Eve, thinking that if they go to Mass Sunday evening, Christmas Eve, that it counts for Sunday and Christmas the next day, when in fact it doesn't. It doesn't count for both. We are called to celebrate on the fourth Sunday of Advent and then the next day on Christmas Day, When December 25th falls on a Monday. And when you remind people of that, they usually kind of bemoan or complain that it's too many masses, especially if they have children, or they simply ignore you altogether. I once worked with a priest who was just reluctant to remind people the week before on the third Sunday of Advent, Christmas was occurring on a Monday, to remind them that we must go to Mass for Advent that fourth Sunday of Advent, and then the next day for Christmas. But the practice of many people, and sometimes they'll ask each other, and they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, Christmas Eve counts for both when Christmas is on a Monday, but it doesn't. And that's the direction people take when it comes to that feast day of Christmas, that they'll go to one Mass if they think it counts for both Sunday and Christmas Day if it's on a Monday. So even that obligation of going to Mass as Catholics on Christmas Day, sometimes Catholics weasel around that and don't like it when they hear they need to go to Mass twice, on Sunday and then again for Christmas. And the goal of Holy Days of Obligation is to draw people to celebrate the Mass and to worship God on special occasions. I mean, after all, some of these Holy Days are important. They celebrate important aspects of our salvation history. Christmas, the birth of Jesus. Epiphany, the revelation to the three wise men and through the three wise men to Gentiles. Easter, the resurrection, even though that's on a Sunday. Ascension, whether on a Thursday or not, is the day of Jesus' ascension. These are important days in the life of Jesus and the salvation won for us uh, by Christ. But of Christmas, Epiphany, Easter, and Ascension, three of those four days are on a Sunday. Christmas is not But these are the liturgically important feasts to celebrate. Some are devotional. The Marian feasts, Assumption, Immaculate Conception, the Motherhood of Mary, and so on, stem from the Church's devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, a devotion that not everyone has, but is still an important devotion to us as a Catholic people, her example of holiness. However, some are also national days. Immaculate Conception is the patroness of the United States. We hopefully go to Mass on the feast of our patron saint, Mary of the Immaculate Conception, to pray for our country and pray for her intercession for the country, just as St. Patrick is an important day for the people of Ireland and Our Lady of Guadalupe, an important day for the people of Mexico. So there could be different reasons for inviting people to celebrate the Mass on Holy Days of Obligation But there might be other ways, I think, to draw people to celebrating Mass. And in so doing, it might draw people more if they didn't have as many in this country that are classified as Holy Days of Obligation. Now, I am not speaking for the Church here, nor am I making any brazen suggestion to our bishops. These are just thoughts that I'm sharing on this day. And if it goes to various people who think it's a good idea, then great. If they don't, well, thank you for listening to my thoughts uh, anyway. But I wonder if it would not be advantageous if we were to keep certain days that are currently holidays of obligation, move certain ones to Sundays, and then relax other days. For example, obviously, it's a given. Keep Christmas Keep the Immaculate Conception because she's the patroness of the United States. That would not make sense to no longer make it a Holy Day of Obligation because she is our patron saint here in the U.S. And keep All Saints Day, November 1st. I think it's a good follow-up to Halloween. I'm not one who thinks Halloween is Satan's night. Halloween came from the Eve of All Hallows, which is All Saints. Halloween is a tradition that stems from the tradition of celebrating All Saints Day, and since Halloween is still a day celebrated and observed by many families and many children, let's keep All Saints Day. It's not focusing on any particular saint, but is very universal. Very much like President's Day is in the United States. I might ask someone, what president are you celebrating today? And it maybe they're celebrating all of them. Same thing with All Saints Day. We remember all of the saints, not just particular ones. And it's a much more universal observance, looking at all the saints and celebrating the holiness of our examples in faith, that we honor and hold up as a church. So those are ones I would think would be good to keep. Christmas, Immaculate Conception, and All Saints Day. Which ones do I think would be good to keep on Sundays? Well, I would say the two that already are. Epiphany, which I'm not sure if it was a Holy Day of Obligation before, but Epiphany right now is on a Sunday. And I do think it's more important to celebrate it period than on January 6th, if January 6th is not a day that's just going to draw people. But also Ascension. Keep Ascension on the Sunday. Certain days I would think perhaps would be worth relaxing as Holy Days of Obligation, and these are more devotional in nature. The Motherhood of Mary and the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Now, the Motherhood of Mary I would suggest later on in this podcast for a different reason. We would still keep the feast, but encourage people to come on that day for a different reason. Because the object is drawing people to Mass on days other than Sundays, to celebrate aspects of our faith figures of holiness, and important events in our salvation history. So how can the church draw people to Mass on days other than Sundays? Well, in the same spirit as the Holy Days of Obligation, but without the obligation, we can draw them from the national culture, just as Patrick is a national figure for Ireland, Our Lady of Guadalupe for Mexico. We can draw from the national culture and values that coincide with Christian faith, which in this country, the United States, is not hard to find. These are days that can inspire people to pray for the nation and for the various attributes of that nation. For example, here in the United States, freedom, faith, sacrifice, work are all valuable virtues of this culture that we have in the United States. And yes, there is a national culture in the United States that embody and express and cherish these virtues of freedom, faith, sacrifice, work. And on various days, we can call on God to bless the nation and to enhance our living of these values and attributes. We can promote those aspects of the nation that are consistent with faith, which, as I said before, in the U.S., it's not hard to do, it's not hard to find. These would not necessarily be days of obligation But the people may respond if the leadership of the church, whether in parishes, on the diocesan level, or among the Conference of Catholic Bishops in the United States, call on Catholics to go to Mass on these various days. And the people may respond more positively to the appeal to a national identity and values that we espouse as a nation that are consistent with Christianity than they would to an imposed obligation. So what days would I recommend? to be promoted as days that Catholics would go to Mass. Well, keeping on the religious level, I would definitely, again, encourage the Immaculate Conception. December 8th, she is the Patroness of the United States. Celebrate the Blessed Virgin Mary and ask for her intercession for our nation. This is our American saint, the patron saint of the United States. Also Christmas, keep promoting that as a holy day because we need to counter the secular push regarding Christmas To the point where they don't even want to mention Christmas. They don't say Merry Christmas, they say Happy Holidays. But keep Christ in Christmas, keep it a religious day. And even parents can teach their kids in creative ways how to do that and could have the encouragement of pastors and the leaders of our faith. They can teach kids the primary importance of Christmas, starting with stop getting Mass out of the way on Christmas Eve. The churches are packed on Christmas Eve. Why? Because for the most part, people want to get Mass out of the way. Christmas is a busy, busy day, and obviously a good day, an exciting day of opening presents, getting together with family. And in some cases, some families have the tradition of going to Christmas Eve Mass and then gathering as a family and opening presents on Christmas Eve. But we see these huge crowds at Christmas Eve Masses because many of them, if not most of them, have the mentality of Mass is the extra thing we do on Christmas, and... We're going to Mass to get it out of the way. But there are other ways we can celebrate the Mass. For example, expose your children to the Midnight Mass. That's an extraordinary time to go to Mass, a time in which most of the kids might fall asleep. And I have seen that. I have seen families, even with small children, their family tradition is going to the Midnight Mass. And it's always uh, nice to see them as they're leaving and we're greeting them. At least one of the children have fallen asleep during the Mass, and they're asleep when they take them home. But they've still brought the family to Midnight Mass. And, of course, they can still wake up early, if they can, to open presents in the morning, even in their pajamas. But it may be a little later, as the family may sleep just a little bit later because they were up for Midnight Mass. Or you could go to Mass at dawn, the first Mass that your church has. Celebrates the Mass at dawn, so that you teach children what is the primary purpose of for Christmas. What is the main reason? And that is the birth of Jesus. And I know some families that have that tradition. They wake up, they get dressed, they go to mass, then they come home and open presents after the family has breakfast. So these are variations in which we can bring the religious aspect back to Christmas in which as a nation we're exercising tremendous generosity. and It's a time that is a boon for the nation. I have no criticism of the commercialism of Christmas because it's a time in which people exercise great generosity and they got to get their presents from somewhere. And it serves as a boon for employers, for businesses, for workers. And all that is done, that life is brought to the economy because of the spirit of generosity that we have because we're celebrating Christmas. But work to make Christmas a religious feast first and that we're this generous because we are celebrating the generosity of God giving his son. But going beyond just the religious feasts, what are other national holidays that we could promote as days in which Catholics would go to Mass? One of which is January 1st. Now, earlier I said, perhaps suppress January 1st, the Feast of the Motherhood of Mary, as a holiday of obligation, but promote it as New Year's Day. Now, the celebration at Mass would still be the Motherhood of the Blessed Virgin Mary as Mother of God. But what draws people is dedicating the new year. Of course, as Catholics, our New Year is the first Sunday of Advent, but as a nation, as a world, everyone, regardless of whether they celebrate the Chinese New Year at a different time, the Tet New Year, the Jewish New Year, the Catholic New Year at the first Sunday of Advent, everyone in the world celebrates collectively a new year on January 1st, and that is a good day to encourage people to go to Mass. It's also a day of parades and football games. But it could be a day in which we encourage Catholics to ring in the New Year, to bless the New Year by coming to Mass, perhaps even the Vigil Mass before you go to your uh, countdown parties for the New Year. Another and perhaps even more obvious day would be Thanksgiving. And already, many people go to Mass on Thanksgiving morning before they go home to prepare the meal. But think about it. That day as a national holiday has the most Travel day of the year. People will endure traffic, lines at the airport, the whole hustle and bustle and rigmarole. We've made movies, comedy movies, about the experience of travel the day before Thanksgiving. People will endure all that for a meal. For a meal. Because they see the value of giving thanks. And who are we giving thanks to? It's to God. I know we have these images of people gathering around the table and they just take their turn saying, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for that. But this is more than just simply the nebulous state of being thankful. Who are we thankful to? Almighty God. And what are we thankful for? It can be a number of things, but as a national holiday, we're thankful for us as a nation. And, it's a, and that day is attached to various events when presidents have called Days of Thanksgiving because of important events that have happened. And now it's an annual national holiday. Independence Day. Again, I know many people who go to Mass on Independence Day. They begin that day by celebrating the Mass, going to the church. But it's a day in which we can give thanks to God to celebrate freedom very much in how we look back on important historical events of faith, such as Christmas and Easter, the resurrection, the ascension. Passover remembers the exodus and the journey through the desert. We remember our nation's founding on that day and the principles on which this nation was founded. And even despite the imperfections of how it was founded, the greater perfection we have achieved over time as a nation. And that great reality and virtue of freedom that we celebrate on Independence Day, a great day to encourage people to celebrate Mass, go to church and celebrate Mass. Now, in light of Independence Day, there once was a tradition in the church of days called Ember Days, and Ember Days were connected, attached to major feast days like Corpus Christi and the Feast of the Triumph of the Cross in September, and many of these major feasts corresponded with the uh, the solstices also with the harvest seasons, and the ember days were three days of preparation that the community of faith came together to make preparations for these great feasts and these great festivals in which we celebrated the triumph of the cross and the body and blood of Jesus. We could have a notion of ember days for the 4th of July. What are the three days prior to July 4th? July 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. And if we know our history, and remember this podcast is Faith, Hope, and History with Father Bill, July 1st. Second and third are the anniversaries of the Battle of Gettysburg during our Civil War. The bloodiest conflict in North American history, a turning point in a war after which the President Abraham Lincoln gave a speech dedicating a cemetery in which he said that the Civil War was about a new birth of freedom for our nation which we know was the abolition of slavery. Some people have forgotten that, but yes, slavery was abolished in this country, and we fought a war to do that, in which hundreds of thousands of people were killed, and the anniversary of the Battle of Gettysburg is July 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, celebrating this anniversary of a civil war with a new birth of freedom before we celebrate July 4th, the founding of a nation founded on freedom. And so we can not only celebrate our freedom, but celebrate the progress our nation continues to make in living and bringing about a greater living and reality of that freedom we celebrate on the 4th of July. Let's move on. Memorial Day is a great day to to ask people to come to Mass, to pray for those who have given their lives for, for this country, the virtue of sacrifice, to pray for the families who have lost loved ones in the service of our country. Veterans Day, a day we pray in thanksgiving, and this is just a couple of days before Thanksgiving, a few days before Thanksgiving, in which we come to Mass in thanksgiving for those who have served and are, are our veterans, and especially those who have been permanently injured in the service of our country. Labor Day is a day in which we celebrate the value and dignity of human labor, a very American virtue hard work, success through hard work, and the God-given talents that we have. But it's also a religious virtue in which the church has constantly taught that work contributes to the dignity of the human person, more so than simply taking a handout. It's not a day to promote a political agenda, but certainly a day to promote how work builds up human dignity, humanity made in God's image and likeness, and to promote the importance and value of labor, and to bless the people of this country who cherish the work of their hands and can make a living from the work of their hands. Other days is a possibility. Martin Luther King Jr. Day may be a possibility, but that focuses on a particular person, and it may be too polarizing given the racially charged atmosphere of today. However, given that, it could be a day in which we come together and celebrate unity and brotherhood among people of all ethnicities in this country. Presidents' Day may also be too polarizing, given the last few presidents and the strong feelings people have with regard to them. However, Election Day, every two years, would be a day for the church to call on people to come to Mass and ask God to bless our nation on this Election Day, or any nation on an Election Day. In our country, it's every two years, the Presidential Election Day and the midterms that Tuesday of November, to pray for God's hand and guidance in an election, giving our nation into God's hands. Even though we are a democracy and we make that choice, we ask God's guidance in that choice as it's being made for us as a country. And even Inauguration Day, the inauguration of a president, is not the day that all the branches of government of every state has their inauguration day. In the Congress of the United States, that's January 3rd, But because that day gets such national attention, it could be a day in which we ask God to bless our leaders and support them with our prayers. So in short, there are many opportunities that the church and its leadership in this country can take advantage of to encourage people and draw people to celebrate Mass on days other than Sunday. We could still keep holy days of obligation, but there are other ways in which we can draw people to celebrate the Mass, celebrate the virtues and values we have as people of faith, especially as they coincide to what we seek to emulate as citizens of the United States. And while these days would not necessarily be holy days of obligation, nonetheless, let's take advantage of that, I think, to encourage people to Draw them to celebrate the Eucharist. There are aspects of our country that are worth celebrating and worth praying for and worth giving worship to God for, that he continue to bless our nation or any nation that has this as a practice. And we've already seen many people on some of these days, Fourth of July, Thanksgiving, Labor Day, Memorial Day, already of their own volition going to Mass. Let's encourage that as leaders of the church. And rather than simply saying it's an obligation tap into those values and virtues that people already have and that some have already taken that initiative to uh, exercise and emulate as citizens of this country and faithful of the Catholic Church. So those are thoughts that I thought I would share on this Friday, which used to be the Friday after Ascension, but is now the Friday before Ascension Sunday. A few thoughts on Holy Days, but also ways in which we can promote people coming to Mass for special occasions with an obligation, but also in ways that don't involve imposing an obligation, but tapping into that goodwill and that basic direction and orientation we all have toward faith as people of faith, as people of the church, as followers of Christ. So I hope this has stimulated some ideas and thoughts for you, and some ideas for you and your own family in the future, even if this does not uh, take shape in how the leadership of the church encourages us on these days. But hopefully it's uh, food for thought, And I thank you for your attention, and with any luck, I'll talk to you again soon.